welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, it's a joy to be with you today. Uh, I want to look at a fun story in our series of messages entitled Bedtime Stories. And this particular story is the story of the wife of Abraham in the Old Testament. You remember Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. You remember? Okay. His wife, Sarah, Sari, and uh, is it sometimes listed? Is, uh, is a fascinating story. She's one of two people, by the way, two ladies, by the way, who are mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, in that chapter that we refer to sometimes as the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame for people of faith. She's one of two women that are listed in that passage of Scripture, commended by God for her faith. Now, that hall of faith contains these great folks who have been recognized, set apart by and for their faith. And so as a result of that, I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 11 together that speaks of Sarah. So look with me, if you will. The Bible talks a little bit about Abraham in this text, and now it says, by faith... Even Sarah, chapter 11, Hebrews 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now, I just need to read that again. Listen, this is what God says about Sarah. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. God commends Sarah for her faith. But honestly, This series of messages is based on those bedtime stories that my parents read to me when I was a kid. And that's not the way I remember the story. Do you remember the story of Sarah? She was the one, this is what I remember about the story. She laughed at God. When God said, you're gonna have a child in your old age, she laughed. And in fact, she is rebuked by God for laughing. And here we turn our attention to the New Testament and it says that she was a woman of faith. And so I am promise you as I read that, I had to ask myself the question, well, what kind of faith does she have? I don't see it. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem to add up. So so what kind of faith does Sarah have? Well, it sure doesn't look like a faith worthy of Hebrews chapter 11. 
It sure doesn't sound like to me a faith that should be listed with these great men and women of faith. Well, let me just set the stage for you and see if we can answer that question. What kind of faith is it? To answer that, we need to, to kind of look at the story. 25 years before she gave birth to Isaac, God came to Abram and said to him, Abram, I, I, I want you to leave everything familiar to you. Leave your home, your family, your belongings, everything. Sell the house, buy a tent. You're, you're moving to a place. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going, but this is the promise I'm going to make to you. I'm going to make a, of you a father of a great nation. And so Abraham, given this promise, is basically told, you're going to be a dad. Now, you've got to understand, at the moment God speaks to him, Abraham is 75 years old and his wife is 65. It's as if God is saying to him, at a time when you guys are thinking about selling and downsizing, I am encouraging you to buy a bigger house near a school. And Abraham simply says, sounds good. Can you imagine the conversation that takes place when he comes in and says, Sarah, we're selling and moving, buying an RV, Hitting the road, everything you have known, family, friends, all that's gone. We're just moving out. Well, what do you mean we're moving? Well, we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know, but we're going. Well, why? Because God told me to. God spoke to me. In fact, Sarah, you're not going to believe this. All our lives, we have wanted a child. We have prayed that God would give us a child. You know what? God said he's going to give us a child. Now, Abraham, you're 75, I'm 65. I know, but listen, God said it, we're going. He packs up and moves, leaves everything and goes. Well, as interesting as that is, more time passes, no child. Now Abraham's 85 years old, Sarah's 75 years old, and Abraham has a little question. And so he prays and he says, God, you remember that promise about the kid thing, you know, when I was 75 and servicing? Yeah, I'm just checking in to see if it's still real. Um, because I don't have a kid right now, and the only thing that I've got to leave my inheritance to is Elazar, who is my, my, my servant's child. He's a part of the family. Is Elazar the one that's going to inherit everything? And God speaks to Abram and says, no. No, I meant it when I made that promise. You're, you're going to have a child, and, it, and it's going to be yours and Sarah's. It's not going to be a servant. It's not going to be Elazar. You're going to have your own child, and um, I'm just reaffirming the promise. It's going to happen. And the Bible tells us that at that moment, Abraham again was renewed in his confidence and his assurance. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 15, it says and he believed God, and it was counted to him toward righteousness. That he said, good. Now, can you imagine the conversation that must have ensued next? Sarah, we're still on. Everything's still good. Baby's coming. 
Sarah's like, you know, it's been 10 years. You do know that you're 85, I'm 70. Yeah, I know, but talk to God about it and everything's fine. Trust me, it's all good. Can't wait. Pick out the color for the nursery. Buy the stuff. Everything's good. Well, more years pass. And after several years and no child, Sarah has an idea. Sarah said, Abraham, I've been thinking. Maybe God wants us to help. Maybe there's something we're supposed to do instead of just trusting God. Maybe we've got this wrong. We've been trusting God to, to, to give a child to us, but there's another way. Why don't, this is a, this is a great idea. A, Abraham, maybe she said to him, like my son said to me when I was growing up, don't make a decision right now, just let this marinate. Good idea. Why don't we take my handmaid and she can be a surrogate? You can go into her she will have a child according to our law because she is my servant, my handmaid. It's my child. You're the dad. It's perfect. It answers God's promise because he said you are going to be the father of a great nation. Well, you're the father. She's a surrogate. It just makes sense. I'm telling you, the reason things haven't happened is because God's been sitting there waiting on us to do our part. And then Abraham says, well, you know, Maybe you got a point. Okay. And he says, okay. And it turns out to be a bad, bad idea. I mean, the handmaid does conceive, has a child, and it creates all kinds of chaos and problems that are still around even to this day. But it was Sarah's idea. Maybe, maybe Sarah was thinking God's not gonna do what he promised he's gonna do, or, or maybe she was tired of waiting, I don't know. But either way, it turned out to be a bad idea. So now fast forward again 14 years later. Abraham's now 99, Sarah 89, and three angels come to visit, and the story of their visit is recorded for us in Genesis chapter 18, and I want you to look at that bedtime story with me. I remember these stories and this one as my parents would read from that old Bible storybook and, and I remember this story. In Genesis chapter 18, and let's just begin reading the verse one just so you have the complete context. We really focus on the story as it begins in verse nine, but begin with verse one, chapter 18, book of Genesis. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of memory while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. When he lifted up his eyes and he looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when they saw them, he saw them. He ran from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the earth. And he said, my, my, my Lord, 
if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a piece of bread that you may be refreshed yourself. And after that you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and he said, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. I, it's just fascinating to me that, that they made cakes because that's what you give angels, right? Angel food cake. It's right there. I, I, I'm, even the recipe, but never mind. Um, so Abraham ran to the herd and he took a tender and choice calf and he gave it to the servants and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and he placed it before them and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, I think this is critical, don't miss this. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, there in the tent. And he said, this is what the angel says to him, I will surely return to you at this time next year and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And, and Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, Sarah was past childbearing years. 89, I think, would be consistent with saying past childbearing years. And so look at verse 12. Sarah laughed to herself when she heard that. She laughed to herself, saying, after I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied However, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. But he said to her, no, but you did laugh. Now that's the story. And yet somehow when we turn all the way to almost the back of the New Testament, the story seems to change, and all of a sudden now Sarah is a person of great faith. So it just brings me back to the question, what kind of faith are we talking about? And as I begin to think about that question and look at that text and try to put these stories together in my mind, I, I really have come up with what I believe to be an answer to that. I, I really think the kind of faith that Sarah has is normal. Her faith is really a normal faith. Her faith just like my faith. Her faith just like your faith. It's, it's, it's normal. So 
very quickly, what I want to do in our time together today is show you three things about normal faith. And what does normal faith look like? The kind that God can commend because it makes a difference in our life and in the lives of others. Well, first of all, when I look at her faith, I think, number one, it's imperfect. I just love the fact that God put her name in Hebrews chapter 11. Because Sarah gives me hope. Somehow, when I read about Moses, I just, I'm not in a class with Moses. I'm not in a class with Elijah. I'm not in a class with Joshua. I'm not in a class with the guys that you find in Hebrews chapter 11. I, I, I really can't identify with any of those great people in Hebrews 11. And then all of a sudden, verse 11 gives me Sarah. And I look at Sarah and say, well, I'm like her. You know, and if she made it, maybe there's hope for me. If, if her faith was commended by God and it was that kind of faith, then, then maybe there's, there's, there's hope for me. I can't stand with Moses and Elijah, but I think I can hang with Sarah. She shows us that normal faith is imperfect. Now, let me just say it a different way. Normal faith has doubts. Now, let me just say that again. Normal faith has doubts. Now, the reason I want to say it again is because so many of us have grown up in an environment where we somehow have been led to believe that faith means that I don't doubt anything. Faith means that I am so confident in God, I never waver, I never quiver, I never back off, I'm confident. And we feel guilty if we do have doubts. We feel bad. I feel that I'm not the Christian I need to be because I'm not sure and I have questions about that. And you know what? Sarah teaches us that normal faith has or contains doubts. And really when we think about it and we look even at those that are listed in the text of Hebrews chapter 11, these great men and women of faith that we sometimes feel that we can never measure up to had doubts too. Abraham had doubts. That's why he came back and asked the question again. Sarah had doubts. Jacob had doubts. Moses, Joshua, David, Esther. David on one occasion said, Lord, how long? How long is it going to take before you work? It's normal for us to have everybody has doubts. And this is what I want you to understand. As a child of God, it is okay to struggle. It's okay to ask questions. God's big enough for all of your questions. Life doesn't make sense, and often God does not make sense. And one of the challenges that we face is that we often want God to respond like we do. And because God doesn't respond like we do, we question. We, we don't understand. We don't have a reference from which we can understand. And it's okay to question. God's not sitting in heaven saying, well, I can't believe you asked that question. Because you questioned me, because you doubted me, I am not going to work in your life. I'm going to turn my back on you, shame on you, never will I work, only until you can learn your lesson and become a person of faith will I work. No, God's saying, I get it. I understand. Life doesn't make sense. Questions are often unanswered. But the key is, it's not that we have questions. The key is that we move beyond them. And that's what Sarah does. I really believe that this entire 
encounter was established for Sarah. Abraham had already established the fact that he had confident faith that God was going to answer the problem. Sarah had illustrated the fact that she didn't. She wasn't sure. And so what does the angel of the Lord do? First thing he says is after they have their meal, hey, where's Sarah, your wife? Now, she's standing at the door listening. Do you think she listened a little closer when that happened? Yeah. When she heard her own name mentioned, when the angel says, hey, by the way, where's Sarah? Oh, you know, it's as if he knew she was standing at the door and listening, and now he's got her attention. Now she leans in. And Abraham says, well, she's in the tent. And he says, well, let me tell you, Abraham, Abraham had heard this promise before, but listen to me, Sarah had never heard this promise before. All she ever heard was Abraham come in and say, God made a promise. We're going to have a child. Do you trust me? Well, I trust you, Abraham, and we're going to leave everything and follow you. And then years later, you're still telling me we're going to have a child. Well, I, I trust you, Abraham, and I believe that you have a walk with God, but I'm really not sure, and I question, and it doesn't make any sense. And maybe after the third time, maybe 30 years later, she's saying to herself, right at 25 years later, I'm, I'm not really sure you did here. Maybe it was, maybe, maybe it was intergestion. I don't know. And so the angel shows up and says, um, where, where, where's Sarah? She's, she's in the house. Okay. Now that he knows he has her attention, he offers the promise and says, I want to tell you something, Abraham. This time next year when we return, Sarah will have a child. Now Sarah's at the door, leaning out, listening, having heard her name. And the moment he says, hey, we're coming back in a year and Sarah's going to be a mom. And she laughs. I mean, she's like, right. Of course I am. Absolutely, it's what I want more than anything in all the world, and I'm 89 years young. I'm feeling great. Yes, I'm going to have, and so she does what all of us would do, right? Yeah, right. And then the angel says this. Hey, Abraham, why did Sarah just laugh? You know what's really interesting? The Bible says she laughed to herself. Have you ever laughed to yourself about things that happen? <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't share that with anybody else, but all of a sudden the angel's outside and he hears her laugh, though she laughed to herself. And the angel says, why did Sarah laugh when I said that she's going to have a baby this time next year? Why did she laugh? Why did she questioned that. I, I think even that comment was for her, don't you? Because Abraham didn't know that she had even laughed. It was for her. And the angel responds, and then he says something else. Doesn't, does she think something's impossible for God? Is that what's going on here? Really, what is amazing about this is that she laughs to herself, and I don't think she laughs making fun of or mocking God. It, it was just the natural response. And God confronts her to make her faith real and personal because this is what normal faith is. It's imperfect, but it's personal. As I just mentioned to you, until now, the promise had never been made to Sarah. 
But in order for her to move beyond doubt and faith to become real, it has to be ours. You see, we can't have second-hand faith. You, you don't believe God because your mom and dad did. And in fact, some of you are struggling today because you're living on second-hand faith. You're trusting God because your mom and dad have told you testimonies of his faithfulness and his goodness. And you trust him because you have grown up. And the reason many people abandon their faith when they reach that critical age of going into college and their faith is challenged is because it's not their faith. It's mom and dad's faith that they're living on. And God brings us to the place where we must embrace our own faith. It must become personal for us. And he brought Sarah to the place to say, you're a part of my plan, Sarah, as much as Abraham is. He has faith now. Let's deal with you. You need to have that same faith. And so God confronts her to make it personal. And she begins to hear for herself. I, I like what D.O. Moody said on one occasion. I think most of you can identify with this. He said, I prayed for faith. And I thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for faith? Have you ever said, God, I just don't have enough faith. Would you just give me more faith? Have you ever prayed for faith? Dale Moody says, I prayed for faith. And I asked, and I bet this went on for a period of time. God, give me faith. I know I need faith. And he said, so I prayed for faith, thinking that it would come down like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. Does that sound familiar? Did God answer your prayer for faith? He said this, then one day I read in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up until that time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. All of a sudden, Sarah now hears the word of God. She hears the angel say the promise to Abraham that he had heard by this time next year, Sarah's going to have a child. In, in fact, as I look at this, the, the laugh that she offers, I think, was, was just an honest response to the impossible challenges that were before her. I don't think it was a laughter that was offensive. I think it was spontaneous. It wasn't worked up. It was a natural reaction. It wasn't mocking. It was just a struggle that she was having with doubt. And then she heard three things. First of all, she heard the angel say, why did Sarah laugh? And she's thinking to herself, how did he know I laughed. Nobody heard that. God was getting her attention. God was saying, Sarah, I know you struggle. And you know, God has a way of saying, and perhaps through this message, he's saying this to you. I, I know you doubt. I know you have questions. I know there are challenges that you face and there are questions that you have no answer for. And I know you are struggling. Listen, this is the story of a God who meets us where we are. And it may be that he's meeting you today exactly where you are to say, hey, I know you have questions. I know you have doubts. 
I know there are things that you think you need to have before you can make a decision. I understand that. But then the second thing that she hears is the promise. As I keep saying, up until that time, Abraham had heard it, but not heard. It was secondhand faith, but now it belongs to her. And I want you to understand something. Secondhand faith will not sustain you. So God speaks so that she can hear. And then the third thing that she hears is this. She heard the angel say something that she had never considered before. The angel says, is anything too hard for God? Sarah, you're asking the wrong questions. You're asking when and you're asking how and you're asking all these questions. You're asking the wrong questions. How in the world could this happen? This is impossible. This is not possible. This doesn't make sense. He said, here's the right question. Is anything impossible for God? Sarah, what you're really doing is questioning my ability. Do you believe that I can do that? I'm God. You think there's something I can't do? Do you really believe? And ultimately, I think God confronts Sarah and Maybe for the first time, she's thinking, I've never considered that before. Do I think God can do it? Well, of course I think God can do it. And it's as if God says, okay, that's the question that we have to answer. Do you believe I can do it? Well, 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 uh, of course you can do it. Then, listen, faith is coming to a place where you understand you can't, but he can Faith is recognizing, God, I can't make this happen. This is impossible. This doesn't make any sense. But you can. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith and my confidence in you. It's not in me. It's not in my understanding. It's not in my being able to figure things out. I trust you. And you know what's amazing? I believe at that moment, faith was born in Sarah's heart. And Sarah said to herself, I'm gonna have a baby. This time next year, the child of promise is gonna be here. This promise is real, it's true. There is nothing impossible for God. There is nothing that God can't do. And suddenly she begins to trust God. And that's why the writer in the book of Hebrews says that she had the kind of faith that activated the power of God that gave her the ability to conceive. God says, Sarah, in order for this promise to be made true, this this faith needs to be your faith. The faith she had was imperfect. It had holes in it just like mine and yours. It had doubts, but it came per- became personal when she answered the question, is anything too difficult for God? Do you believe that God can't do what you need him to do in your life? That's the real question. And once we understand that God can do anything, see, faith, listen to me, it's not the amount of faith that you have that matters. It's who your faith is in that matters. A little bit of faith in a God that can do anything is all you need. Do you believe I can do anything? Yes, Lord, I do. Then 
sit back and watch and see what happens. Her faith was imperfect, but it became personal, and then finally, it was sustaining. Now her faith held her, and it gave her confidence, and it allowed her to trust God and for God to fulfill his promise. Listen, I, I, I really have come to this place in my life. I think for many of us, faith is something that we hold on to, and, and, and we are just doing everything we can to desperately hold on to our faith when God wants faith to be something that holds us. Do you trust me? Yes. Then, then that confidence in me will hold you and it will govern every decision you make. It gives you the ability to do what Abraham did. Leave everything. Don't you know people were saying to him, Abram, you are crazy. You have a life here. You're a wealthy man. You're established. It's taken you years to get where you are, but he doesn't care. Why does he have the confidence to walk away? Because his faith held him. And God wants to give you the kind of faith that'll hold you when the world's falling apart. God wants to give you the kind of faith that enables you to stand when everybody else is seated. He wants to give you the kind of faith that will sustain you and hold you. He is ultimately through this story saying to us, trust me. Trust me. Sure, there are questions you can't answer. Sure, there are things you don't understand, but trust me anyway. It reminds me of the story of Jesus and the encounter that he had with a, after he had gone to the Mount of Transfiguration, he comes down. His disciples had been dealing with a man who had a son who was demon-possessed. And they had prayed and tried to cast out the demon, but were unsuccessful in doing so. And so when Jesus comes, this man comes to Jesus and he says, can you help me? My son is possessed and he has fits and he throws himself into a fire and he's just out of control and I'm constantly worried. We've done everything we know to do. I've come to your disciples. They have prayed over him and they've done what they can and nothing works. Can you help me? And Jesus responds this way. He says, can I help you? Isn't that an invitation to faith? Can I help you? That's, that really is the question. Do you think I can help you? Do you trust me to do what nobody else can do? Do you believe that I can do that? Where are you willing to place your faith? Are you willing to place your faith in me? Can I help you? Listen, and then Jesus says this. With faith, all things are possible. Do you believe that? And then the guy says this, and I love that the Bible puts people in there like me and like you. The guy says this, I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> there's a part of me that believes, but there's another part of me that's not sure. <laughs> I wanna believe, I wanna trust you, but man, you're asking me to believe something that is impossible, and, and you're asking me to believe something that I have no grounds to believe. I've, I've not found any hope anywhere else, and I so desperately want to believe in you. 
but help my unbelief. I love what old Vance Habner said about that one time. He says, at least he took sides with his faith. We all have doubt and we all have faith. Let's take sides with our faith and land on this side to say, in spite of my doubts, yes, Lord, I trust you. Maybe the reason God put the story of Sarah in the Bible was for you. God is calling you to a relationship with him. The scripture says that we are all separated from God because we are sinners. Sin separates us from God. And God is calling you into a relationship. The only way we can have a relationship with him is to do something about our sin. You know you're a sinner. You get that. But we can't fix it. I can't undo it. In fact, the Bible says that I've got to be perfect to go to heaven, and I've already blown it. There's not anything I can do to undo what I've done. I, I have no hope at all of ever going to heaven. But God said, what's impossible for you, Carol, is not impossible for me. You believe that? Do you believe that it's impossible for me to make a way for you to go to heaven? Nothing's impossible for me. I will come to earth and live. God comes in the person of Jesus Christ, lives a sinless life. The reason you die is because you are a sinner. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but Jesus becomes a part of God's plan to live a sinless life. He doesn't have to die because he never sinned, but he does to pay for your sin, Dad, and mine. And he says, I know there's lots of questions you have, and there are a lot of things you don't understand, but here's the real question. Do you believe that things are impossible for me? Well, no, I believe you can do anything. Okay, then. I made a way through Jesus for you to be saved. So, Carol, trust me. Will you turn from your sin and acknowledge you're a sinner and ask me to forgive you of your sin and come into your heart? Yes, Lord, I will. I don't understand what that means, but I do understand I'm a sinner, and I believe, Jesus, you came to earth and died, and you rose again. And you know what? I'm going to put my trust in you that you will save me. Do you really believe that God can forgive you? Some of you right now, the reason you've not accepted Jesus is you're not convinced he can forgive you. you don't, you're, you're sitting there saying, but you don't know what I've done. So you believe God can't forgive everything? No, the moment you believe, no, nothing's impossible for God. He can forgive even that. And he will if you'll trust him. So the story today is an invitation for you to trust him, to receive him as Savior. And today's the day to do it. You've been putting that off and you have offered every kind of excuse you can think of to offer. God's not calling us to be perfect. It's an imperfect faith. It has doubts, but he's calling us to trust him and have our own faith, not trust him because mom and dad said so or somebody else says so. But God, I choose today in my own mind to receive you as my savior. And when you do, oh my goodness, that, my friend, is a faith that will sustain you in life and in death as we enter into the presence of God. So would you say yes to him today? It might be that you have already accepted him as your savior, but you've given up on living the life that he has called you to because you've got questions and you question your faith and whether it's strong enough. Listen, 
It's not about how much faith I have, it's who my faith is in. Do you believe he can do anything? If you believe that, then maybe you need to say yes. It may be that God's been calling some of you into ministry and service, and you've said, no, 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 I can't do it. And today, God's saying, it's not about whether you can. Do you believe I can? Then say yes. And today is the invitation for us to say yes. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head with me? And even as you are here today, I am absolutely confident that there is no accident that you are here. Just as Sarah was standing at that door and the angel spoke the words he spoke, I am absolutely 100% convinced he spoke those for her. God's Holy Spirit is here today speaking to you. And there are some of you that are here and your faith is wavered because it's not really yours. You believe God because your parents raised you to believe in God and today Jesus is saying, no, I, I, I want you to answer the question, do you believe I can do anything? Do you believe nothing is impossible for me? Do you believe that I can forgive you? Do you believe that I came and lived and died and rose again? Do you believe that you are a sinner and would you today accept me as your savior? He's calling you today to your own personal walk of faith. And you enter that by saying, yes, God, I'm a sinner. The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, God, I confess that you are Savior and Lord, and I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. You're alive today, and I want you to be my Savior and Lord. He says, if you will confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And for some of you, that's the step you are to take. For others, the step of obedience to what God's called you to. Father, thank you for the message you've given us today and for this moment of invitation, for this moment to make a decision. And I believe right now that all over this room and all over the world, literally, as people are watching, your Holy Spirit is tugging in our hearts saying, do you believe? You are inviting us today to make faith personal, our own. And there are many who are doing that right now. They have just confessed that you are Savior and Lord, and they're receiving you as Savior. And I thank you that you can forgive anything and restore us to right fellowship. And I'm grateful for those who have come to know you as Savior and Lord. Father, I'm also grateful for those that you have called into ministry and service that are saying today, yes, God, I believe you can do it. I've been looking at myself and not you. I thank you that whatever the call you've placed on us in this moment, your Holy Spirit has shown us and give us the strength to decide for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.